What if I told you that you can design and live the life that you want on your own terms? Would you do it? Would you take a leap into the unknown? Or would you settle for a life of limits? A life of safety but lacking true meaning? Zeph and Moses Blacksburg here, and I'm on a journey to help you ignite your inner passions, let go of your fears, and get more out of life. Will you join me and make this year your year of purpose? Welcome to the Year of Purpose podcast. Hey everyone, Zephan Blacksburg here from the Year of Purpose podcast, and today I have Mark Angelo. Having founded the Valhalla movement, Mark is a character dedicated to having an impact. Defining success in unconventional measures, he has earned a living by applying the skills of entrepreneurship and marketing for a cause. With a new upstart called Superhero Academy, an online interactive training for everyday superheroes and social entrepreneurs, one thing is clear. His thirst for the pursuit of new ideas and ways to growing the sustainability movement into a mainstream lifestyle is unquenchable. Mark, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to be here with us. Uh, how you been? Thank you so much for that awesome intro. I mean, it, it always sounds weird when people are talking about me in that way. I always, I always feel like, Wow, I I do do cool stuff in the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, yeah. oh, it's uh, you know, you're a videographer too, so you kind of get this a lot too. We're always just making art and creating stuff, and to us, we're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. But when our friends see it, they're like, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know if you get that a lot, but I definitely get it from time to time. And I'm just like, ah, it wasn't that hard. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely feel like um, when you're the artist, when you're the creator, uh, you're always kind of you only see the flaws. And and then the people who are the people receiving the message only hear, like generally only receive like all the positivity of it, right? And only when I ask them for like really good feedback do I get it. But here, like it's it's just weird. It's just a weird feeling to to kind of always be in this position where no matter how, what you're creating, no matter what you're doing, you always know that there's more that you can give to it, that there's be- you could have done a better job. And it's just endless. It's just insane how uh, how we beat ourselves up sometimes on that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I think it ties really well into, you know, just being an entrepreneur and having started some pretty awesome things. And speaking of awesome things, you know, you started the Valhalla movement. And uh, mm. tell me, um, A, what it is, and then B, let's move into kind of where you were in life and what you were doing kind of like right before that started. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So um, for me, what it is is... A movement to make sustainability mainstream. And I say that in a way that I mean we're also going to make it cool and sexy, right? Because at the end of the day, I feel like the the sustainability movement, when you think sustainability, you think solar panels, gardening, tree huggers, and hippies. And I'm like, wow, that's awful. Because at the end of the day, this should be something that's a part of all of our lives. We should all be considering sustainability in everything that we do. and even for ourselves, even to empower ourselves. So I would say the second thing that the Valhalla movement is all about is something called freedom culture. And that's uh, to empower and encourage all individuals to spread their unique gifts to the world. So whether you're a videographer, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you, you are a school teacher or a swim instructor, whatever it is that you are super passionate about, then we want you to have the freedom to express that to the world as much as you possibly can. And I think the easiest way to do that or the best way to do that is to be as free as possible, right? If you have more freedom, you have more financial freedom, you have kind of freedom to, to do whatever you're most passionate about, then that's exactly what's going to empower you 
to be able to to kind of live that life of purpose, live that that life of your dreams. And the best way to empower yourself is sustainability. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you want to eat the healthiest food, grow it yourself. If you want to, uh, you know, have a more mortgageless home, build a sustainable home of some kind. You want to not pay as many bills, put some solar panels on your roof or a wind turbine or whatever. Like, it's not just about those things. It's about the movement of freedom and then also the cultural shift that we need to have as a, as a collective and as a society towards what sustainability means and how we should all see ourselves within that culture, not just the tree huggers and hippies kind of thing. Right. So sustainability, it's kind of a big deal uh, to, to you and I. I'm a huge fan of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this come up in your life? Like what, where were you and at what point in life <laughs> did you decide that, you know, we got to start being a little bit nicer to the place that we're living in and a little bit more careful about, you know, the things that we build, the things that we eat uh, and what's mm-hmm. going on just around us? Yeah, I mean, I, I credit all of this um, to two kind of things. Number one, my unquenchable thirst for learning. I am constantly, constantly obsessed, literally obsessed with learning. I will, I will watch every piece of Vice news that goes out there. I watch almost any major documentary that ever gets released. And that's exactly where actually all of this learning for me really started is that, you know, I was in school. I was studying um, at the time uh, finance and accounting which I fucking hated. Yeah, I hated. Um, And I was just like, man, this is so brutal and boring. And so I started shifting into marketing and entrepreneurship. But at the same time, I just felt I wasn't learning anything. And I went to McGill University, which is like the Harvard of Canada. Uh, You know, that's what they like to say anyway. Um, And I didn't feel that way. I was like, if this is the Harvard of Canada, we are failing. Like we are just not learning anything. And so I took uh, education in my own hands in terms of Number one, I bought a business when I was 18. Uh, it was an indoor skate park, and I ran that for three years and nice. turned it into a failing business into a, you know, a nice uh, blooming business. It had half a million dollars in sales, which at 18 years old was incredible for me. Yeah, you don't me. even know what to do with that. I didn't even, yeah, well, it's in and, and sales. I say, I say sales or revenue is not in, you know, it's not money in my pocket. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, wow, like we had $20,000 of overhead and stuff. But really where I started learning was I was actually watching documentaries. And I had this one year where I literally, I basically challenged myself to watch a documentary a week for a year. And uh, needless to say, that was a pretty depressing year. Because when you learn about all the problems in the world, whether it be you're watching Forks Over Knives and where the food comes from, or you're watching, um, I recently watched something called Blue Mission, which is all about the oceans and how by 2050 we might have no fish in the ocean or something like that. Like, just crazy, crazy amounts of information, um, you start to learn that maybe the world has bigger problems than what you've been told. Or maybe there is kind of this higher purpose, even for our planet, that we need to kind of start considering. And and I started to see the fallacies of the system and of education and all that kind of stuff and all the holes and the gaps that weren't really being addressed and covered. And so I was kind of concerned. Um, and the number one documentary that really opened my eyes was, um, Zeitgeist Addendum, which is the second in the Zeitgeist series where you learn about where money comes from. Now, I don't know if you're listening and if you've already seen this, but if you've already seen it, I mean, you're going to hear it again. It, money comes from a system of debt, that there is more debt than there is money. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, well, wait a second. 
Why is that right? Like, why is that true? Because no sense at all. <laughs> zero. Zero sense. It's like, wait a second. We have more debt. So for every dollar of money that the U.S. government has ever printed or made digitally, we owe back all that money and more to the Federal Reserve, for example, right? And if I'm going to use a U.S. example. And then the Federal Reserve is not an elected official board. It's a, it's a private corporation uh, run by or appointed with different bankers from all the b major banks in the world. And I'm like, wait a second. So we're playing this giant game of musical chairs and we're playing a game of scarcity. We have an, a, what I believe to be an abundant world. And yet we're playing in a system of scarcity. Mm -hmm. We're playing where, where there's always going to be somebody left out. There's always going to be the person who goes bankrupt. There's always going to be the person who's poor. And it, this created this massive segregation that I just could not understand for the life of me. And there is no understanding it. That's the whole point. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. In fact, it's, it's kind of used as a way of kind of enslaving people. Um, and it's almost better than slavery because at least with slavery, they paid for your housing and, and food right. to some degree. Um, but now we have to pay for it all ourselves. And, and, Look, don't get me wrong. The monetary system and our, our system and humanity as a whole has achieved a whole lot of stuff. But one of the things we shouldn't be proud of, in my opinion, is how we deal with our finances. So anyway, so I don't want to go too deep into that. When I learned that, it changed everything for mm -hmm. me. I'm like, how could I possibly want to just make a lot of money and to, to constantly play this game when I realize that every time I play the game, what I'm really doing is taking away from somebody else? Because we are in a game of musical chairs. And I'm like, how can I change that? How can I create something out of nothing in the same way that these corporations or banks are creating something out of nothing, right? And, you know, in my first business, I had this huge problem where I also, um, I had gotten this loan to kind of upgrade the business and then they revoked the loan because of the financial crisis. Ah. So I was living the consequences of this banking system as well, right? And all this kind of this printing of money and, and just, you know, throwing it out there and giving loans to anybody and everybody. And then when it was my turn, nothing. Right. They revoked it. And, and, and it's your turn to try and change the world. It's not even like, you know, you're just going and buying a house because you want to. I mean, no. you're trying to do something good with it. I was trying to, yeah, at the time I was trying to build a lounge, which was we meant to have these types of conversations. And I was going to do documentary screenings. And I was just, I wanted to build a place where people can congregate and, and, and find community. And, um, long story short, they, they revoked the loan and, and I was like, wow, this is, this is really serious. Like this, I need to do something about this. So I'm like, how can I, how can I make something where no bank could tell me what I can and cannot do? No bank can control how much I create. And to me, the answer was found in, in the word sustainability. It's like if I built an off the grid type home or an off the grid community center, and if I made this lounge and I built it myself, but in an off the grid type fashion, where we can create things out of nothing. So AKA plant food in the ground or seeds and then boom, all of a sudden food comes out. Uh, whether we, where we can start a nonprofit and maybe give out tax receipts for people who donate time or money or whatever it is to, to the project. I'm like, this is effectively the reverse engineering of the better world that kind of has been deconstructed or kind of degraded by the world of economics in a weird way. And, 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 and only because of this scarcity principle. So um, for me, it was, it was kind of like Valhalla for me started as almost like a, a stick it to the man kind of, um, kind of movement. But it, it's it matured definitely for sure. I mean, look, I, I'm not against money. 
mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, I think we need a, a medium of exchange. I just think that fractional reserve banking and uh, you know some of the problems that go with that are a little bit scary. Um, but I, I do believe that really the world, the real currency is authenticity. The real currency is found in community and relationships and connections and, and, and speaking to people like you, you know, um, who we just it can exchange. We can have real conversations. We can, right. we can flow together without having to involve anything other than our own kind of time and energy. And this is something, again, that I feel we were creating out of nothing. And, and I started using this principle to say, well, wh- how can we do this bigger and better and, and, and more awesome? And um, so there came the Vala movement. And the Vala movement, you know, is this movement both online and offline. And I'll explain the offline portion in a second. But to change that culture, to create that shift where we start caring about um, sustainability, where we start caring about our world in a deeper way. And not just talking about it online and making pretty videos and good content, which I think is half the game and half the battle, but also doing it in person. You know, there was so many documentaries. And one thing I learned out of documentaries was that every one of them focused on the problem, but very few had anything to talk about with the solutions. Oh, sure. They, they pointed out the solution to some degree, and some of them never did, but some of them definitely did, but they didn't live it. And I was like, well, I want to live it. Like, I want to, like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to try. Right. Like, here's a way that we could solve it. But, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to leave that there. And, you know, if somebody yeah. decides to run with it, you know, we don't have to. But if someone runs with it, cool. Yeah. And they had done their job, right? They did the job of the marketing side of it and doing the video and, and putting that out. And I think they had done their part. But now it was up to other people to kind of carry it forward and take it on. But too many of us were watching the documentary, shutting down the TV or the computer screen and then doing nothing. And that drives me insane. Mm-hmm. I cannot deal with doing nothing. I am obsessed with action. Like I'm obsessed with learning, but I'm obsessed with action. And so uh, we took action. We, we bought a 60 acre piece of land just outside of Montreal, about like 20 minutes away from the downtown core of Montreal, which is a sizable city in Canada. Um, and bordering suburbia. And it's this GMO corn and soya field awful soil just awful 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 when we first got there and we're transforming it into a permaculture and sustainability learning center wow yeah that's really neat well so let me ask you this because you know obviously we have done a lot of damage to the world as a whole Mm -hmm. um, up until this point you know there's certain species of animals that are totally extinct like pretty much never coming back um Mm -hmm. With this concept of sustainability, you know, do you think that we can kind of reverse engineer and, and pull the world back to a much more sustainable state, so to speak? I mean, obviously not just uh, with animals and wildlife, but, you know, the monetary system. Uh, yep. And uh, we as humans now have more diseases, cancer, diabetes, you name it. Like, do you think that we really can as a people uh, make this difference and kind of turn things back around because uh, some stuff they're saying, you know, uh, like with weather, global warming, whether you believe in it or not, right? But like it, mm-hmm. it's some of them are basically saying we're screwed no matter what. Yeah, I, I don't subscribe to that. I don't, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid on that one. Um, no, I, I do believe that just as much as we, we fuck shit up, I do believe that we can kind of uh, repair all of this and we can find a way to adapt. I, I Yes, some things are irreparable, right? Like 
losing species or cutting down uh, a tree that was standing for thousands of years or whatever it is. We can't, we can't grow back that exact same tree, but we can plant a new one. Right. There is ways that we can find a better balance in our planet to do this kind of stuff. And I, to be honest, it, it, it boils down to me four ingredients. Okay, so we need sustainable ideas first and foremost. We need the best ideas and technologies and, and kind of minds to, to jump onto this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We need to think about how we're going to feed 9 billion people by uh, 2050. We need to think about how we're going to build more sustainable housing for the growing population. We need to think about how we can make our, our, our economy more local and empower more people. Uh, and the second thing we need to think, consider is also community. Okay, so if we're going to do this, I said the word we, we need to come together as a community and play an active role within the community. We have to play our part as individuals, which is the most important thing that you can do for sustainability more than sharing, commenting, liking and what you should do on this video and stuff and podcast. But the the truth is that community is where we find hope, Mm -hmm. because when we find people who think like us. That's why we feel more invigorated and hopeful for being able to create that change. And so, you know, Valhalla isn't just my project. It's really a community of people who are coming together. This is not about me anymore. And it never was, really. It was always about how can we bring people together. And that's what community is. And that's what I define it as. Well, I was going to say, so it's got to become a lifestyle. It's kind of like, you know, people who diet and lose weight. Like, you have to eat healthy the rest of your life. It's not just like this one year we're going to do this and then we're done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and here's how I feel. When I is replaced with we, even illness becomes wellness. All right. Um, the third piece to that is knowledge. So once we have sustainable ideas that are existing and then the geniuses of the world are coming up with, and we have community of community of people that are banding together to create this kind of change, what they now need is to transfer that knowledge between the geniuses and the community. And so knowledge and transferring and education is the way that we actually start to embody some of this change. So before I knew all the problems of the world, having watched all these documentaries, um, I didn't care as much about these things, not because I didn't care, but because I didn't know. Mm. Okay. So I've always been a caring person, but if I don't know about something, how could I care about it? You know what I mean? So knowledge is, is the, is the key, key, key ingredient in and creating that change is because people have to know about global warming before we can start, dis, you know, deciding to tackle it. People have to know about the problem of overfishing or the acidifications of the ocean or the deforestation due to, uh, you know, planting more and more fields for grazing and for uh, for animal feed. And there's so many different problems. I don't even want to dive into the, all of them. But the point is that we have they have to know about them. Mm-hmm. We had to create a medium where not only people knew about them through online channels where our attention span is, is low, but also in person. We have to create physical spaces where people can come in and play and try and experiment. And that's the fourth ingredient, which is action, right? It's one thing to know. It's one thing to have the community, but it's one thing, and it's one thing to have the sustainable ideas, which I believe the internet has combined all three of those, right? They've formed communities. We know the it allows us to spread the knowledge very quickly and easily. And we've learned about the sustainable ideas, but very few people were tackling the action portion of it and playing a role within it. And action to me doesn't have to mean you have to, everyone has to go out there and plant a tree. I do encourage it. But to me, action means that you play a part. So what you do and what you're passionate about, what you care about, whatever the problem or issue uh, is, do something about it. Okay, and one of the things I do about it is I run a podcast too, right? I talk about it. I, I, I invite people to 
be a part of the solution and to spread that positivity. Um, and and so that's you know those are the key four ingredients that I think Valhalla is pulling together, uh, and I'm seeing more and more people pull together now. So a lot of this really can take small steps. You know, you don't have to just jump out there tomorrow and say I'm just going to change the entire world, right? Like there are little things we can start doing. Uh, and, absolutely. And you know, through I'm sure some of the people listening or watching right now are going to check out some of those documentaries. How can I make sure that they don't go and all get depressed because they just watched like 50 different issues that are wrong with the world <laughs> and they just go, oh my God, we're just so screwed. You know, how can they at least start to take a little step? I mean, there's things like podcasts and things to start listening to, but how can they actually Absolutely. take action uh, and just get moving, get the ball rolling a little bit? Absolutely. So once you're starting to educate yourself, once you're starting to learn about these sustainable ideas, all this stuff, the, the next thing comes uh, paralysis, right? Decision paralysis. And it, it's the illusion of choice, basically, that having so many problems in front of us, we have this hard time in picking any one of them. And we, we have the illusion that choice is a good thing, but sometimes it's actually a, a paralyzing thing. And I think the first and best thing that you can do is do anything on the smallest of scale the smallest of scale like you know like oh that light bulb yeah i can make it i can change it and make it way more energy efficient and that will probably be good for our planet or yeah i've been waiting for a while to like pull the trigger on getting solar panels on my roof i'm gonna do that or yeah you know what i've really wanted an apple tree in my backyard I'm definitely going to plant that. By the way, for anybody planting one apple tree, understand that there needs to be another apple tree around for it to pollinate. So always plant two. Interesting. Um, yeah, just so people know. Because you always need, like, plants need to cross-pollinate, right? So you need to plant, you have to, have, either your neighbor has to have, or somebody, one of your neighbors, within a radius, has to have uh, a similar tree. Mm -hmm. Or, and then they will cross-pollinate, and if they're different trees, it will kind of create slightly different apples or whatever. Or plant two apple trees. So I always say plant two. But... Planting a tree, starting to compost, um, go, going and, and educating, joining groups uh, or volunteering with groups that are taking action already. Like you don't have to start everything yourself. Mm -hmm. OK, I, I decided to start because I didn't know where all these groups were and I was kind of fed up and I understood that I had a unique ability uh, of being an entrepreneur and understanding what it would take to start something like this. So I took that on personally, but I don't think that everyone should, could uh, and needs to, we really actually need to join. It's more important for us to be followers of different movements and of different people than it is to be leaders of them. Uh, and I definitely subscribe to that. But start with the smallest thing and then build a, a, an, like a series of actions that you can take that slowly but surely are going to uh, improve your own life um, and also consider the earth and the planet as as part of that. Mm -hmm. If if you had to go and rank, and now I know this is more opinion than anything, than sure. fact, mm -hmm. uh, let's just say the top three issues with our planet or our world right now that uh, would be most important for us to tackle, you know, yeah. to get us a step towards wherever we could ideally be in 2050. Uh, yeah. What are like the top three things that you think people should at least be looking into, be starting to research and paying attention to? Absolutely. So, I mean, the the uh, the obvious answer to this is global warming. Okay, um, but the we have to look at what causes global warming to address global warming because global warming is one of those. It's just like a blanket statement. It's like saying pollution. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. yeah. And like, what am I going to do about pollution? Well, okay. 
global warming is happening because of a couple of different key things. And number one contributor to global warming, though, is deforestation. Because that's the worst thing you could possibly do is cut down a tree. Why? Because the tree is actually absorbing the CO2, putting it into the ground, and actually using that to grow itself into a bigger and bigger tree and or forest. And the number one thing that we are doing to kill our planet right now is deforestation. Mm. We're deforesting for coffee, okay, to build, you know, grow more and more coffee grounds. We're deforesting for animal feed to eat more and more uh, cow meat or whatever it is. We're, 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 we're deforesting to build more homes or to build more cities in the forest. And dense, really, you know, amazing forests like the Amazon jungle when we're deforesting there, it's way kind of worse than deforesting in a small suburban neighborhood kind of thing. So deforestation is definitely one of the biggest problems out there. And the easiest way to combat that is to care more about the trees, eat less meat, uh, and just consume less, period. Just right. try and find a way to just, do you really need to eat to the point where you're full and passing out? Or can you eat like 10% less? Just 10% less. Can you, can, can you turn down the thermostat 10% down? Can we, can we just bring ourselves down just a little bit. And when we do this kind of stuff, we actually see major shifts in the problem. So I always use this um, this example of, uh, of traffic, right? I hate traffic. Traffic is like my biggest pet peeve ever. Like sitting in traffic is like the worst thing I could possibly ever do with my time. I hate it. Um, but I, I watched this TED Talk and what it was saying is that if we were able to reduce the cars by 20% on the road, we would have zero traffic. So I believe that if we're able to reduce our consumption even by 20%, okay, that we will also see some of the same problems start to fix themselves. Because some of the businesses that are just thriving on the economics of growing and selling more and more and more will start to kind of debase themselves. And more and more of the what I call the fourth sector businesses, aka for benefit companies or for purpose enterprises, are going to start thriving. And this is already happening. Um, there's a group called Game Changers 500, which is like making the five, the four, almost like the Forbes 500 list of the most responsible and uh, kind of game-changing companies of the world. Um, and you can go check that out at GameChangers500.com, I believe. But being a part of that, consuming less, is the second thing I think people can do. So number one, care about the forest, plant trees, start to grow, like find a way to eat more sustainably in your hometown. Mm -hmm. If you could do that, if you could buy local, if you can start growing your own food and, and, and join a farmer's market, uh, a CSA style basket or whatever it is, like these are actually, that is like one of the number one ways that you can reduce your carbon footprint, number one. Number two is, um, is, is kind of educate yourself on the, on the companies that are creating change and buy from them more so than buying from the other people and then try and just consume a little bit less, okay? I'm not saying stop consumption, it's not gonna happen but consume less and consume a little bit more responsibly, mm -hmm. okay? And I think the third problem that really is now uh, hitting me home is uh, everything and anything to do with water, okay? So I was just in California. Um, you know, they're having this massive drought that's going on, and it's pretty uh, phenomenally, uh, I mean, it's, it's just bad. It's really, 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 really scary. And so being able to possibly consider catching rainwater reusing rainwater, um, being able to reduce the amount of water that you use. And that's not just like turning off the water when you're, when you're brushing your teeth. That is important. But to be honest, we use a lot of energy and water for many other different things like agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, so again, that means buying more local food is more important. But find ways 
to catch, store, reuse rainwater, okay? Start thinking about your own water usage and how you can improve it. And, and I can't believe that in America today that we flush our toilets with clean water. Yeah. I mean, it should be a crime. It really yeah. should be. 2% of the world's water is fresh water. Yeah, and that stuff is drinkable, technically, in our toilets. Like, it's the same water that goes through our sinks. It's more drinkable than most people have access to. Um, and I say this because by 2050, the UN has studies that by 2050, 50% of the world will be in dire water conditions. And that includes anybody, people who are listening to this right now. If you live in California, period, you're going to have problems with water. So you need to start thinking about it. This is not just third world. This is not... You know, you're not part of the people who are living, you know, the three billion people on the planet living on less than three billion or three dollars a day. Sorry. That's one problem. And that's a huge problem. But I'm even talking about right here at home. You know, the person who has the luxury of listening to this on their iPhone or whatever. That is a huge, huge, huge problem. And overfishing is another element within the water and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But water itself really, really scares me. Um, and there's, there's solutions, gray water, black water systems, uh, there's aquaponics and all kinds of stuff. We can grow our own fish at home and, and, and there's so much out there. Um, and I, and I'm not even claiming to be an expert on any of it, but at least uh, personally I'm trying and I'm researching and, and that's what Val is doing. And, and, you know, that's the whole 60 acre piece of land is dedicated to people who want to join and, and come and research and, and help out and find a way to build this, this knowledge up and, and, and take action with it. That's awesome. So it really starts with tiny steps. There's actually a really uh, great place here in Baltimore that does, I think it's, I forget what it's called. It might be called like Grow Baltimore or something. And now I know this mm. isn't like a national thing, but I wish it was. Uh, this guy basically goes to the Sunday farmer markets mm -hmm. and uh, he takes whatever's left over after they have sold their share from, you know, 10 to 3 or whenever they're open. Mm -hmm. He has another person at like 9 a.m. handing out lottery tickets at a different location. He then takes in refrigerated trucks all of this produce that he's picked up after the farmer's market because it's just going to go to waste anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they don't have anything to do with it. He brings it to the separate location and people show up with their lottery tickets. And in order, you can get an Ikea size bag. I mean, this is a huge bag, like almost the size of my body. Mm. And whatever you can fit into that bag is yours for five bucks. Wow. 75 pounds of produce I walked away with one day for five bucks and it, it's not even about the money it's that this is leftover food that was going to sit there and rot or get thrown out or whatever yep. and he just fed you know another 200 people um, mm -hmm. whether that means you know the lower income people in the city who can only afford five bucks but just now uh, are able to feed a family of eight for the next two weeks yeah um, or you know it's anyone who just wants to do something better both for the community uh, and for you know the food and that's going to waste um, yeah. So I totally agree with the idea of sustainability, and I think that you know it takes little steps like that, uh, and and being a part of those things. Now, you we talked a little bit about sustainability, but you're also doing something else really cool called Superhero Academy. So tell me a little bit about what that is. Yeah. Okay. So Superhero Academy is um, so basically out of that four ingredient recipe. I decided that I was going to tackle all of them in a major way. And so the first one, sustainability, was is through Valhalla. The second one, community, is also through Valhalla and in, in kind of creating this online community, I believe, that we're, we're, we're doing that. The third one is education. And so I was like, well, how can I and, – and the fourth one is action. And so I'm like, how can I do more for education and action? How can I inspire more people to learn the exact steps that they need to take to educate themselves on these types of topics or on social entrepreneurism as a whole? And how can 
we fulfill our own individual fantasies of being the superhero or heroine of of our own lives, right? And when I was a kid, my dream was to be like Batman or James Bond or whatever. And I don't understand why we ever abandoned that. I believe the world needs more superheroes, and I believe that social entrepreneurs are those superheroes. People who are willing to take massive amounts of risk to fight the, the villains of our world today. That's what superheroes do, right? In all the comic books or movies or whatever it is. So how can I help and empower more everyday superheroes? And that's what Superhero Academy is all about. It's literally a, uh, a tiered training program. It's almost like um, in the same way that you would uh, go through the belts in karate. We're building for the moment a five-tier training system for social entrepreneurs at every stage of the game um, to empower you to do that kind of stuff. So I'm coaching people one-on-one. I'm obviously running the Superhero Academy podcast. We're putting out a whole bunch of free content uh, on SuperheroAcademy.net, a challenge that helps people get clear on their missions and and find their higher purpose, uh, an eight-step process that I filmed and and put out online for free. Um, And then the tiers kind of go up, like, so the next thing is something called uh, committing to your mission and, and kind of um, eight simple steps to, li- to living, uh, eight essential steps to uh, empowering yourself as a social entrepreneur. So that's a class that I'm going to be launching uh, soon. And the idea is I'm going to film more and more of these and then in- hire more and more people. So I've already hired uh, like four or five of uh, my friends and people who work with us at Valhalla to just jump on board, but I, I can see this growing uh, pretty immensely. And, and this is something that's pretty fresh uh, off the boat uh, recently, but it's, it's definitely coming together. It's, there's more and more of this uh, playing out, and I've been working with entrepreneurs one-on-one, and it's just been, it's been amazing. I've learned so much, too. That's, that's really amazing. So I, it's still kind of new. Yeah. It's not something that has... Uh, really bloomed or blossomed yet so it's really exciting i can imagine and there's a lot uh to happen in the near future with that uh i can't help but ask because obviously you have a pretty serious mission on this earth right (laughs) um you know the whole point in our podcast is really to talk about uh living a life of purpose which obviously sustainability could be a huge aspect of that for a lot of people um how do just you alone define purpose like what does it mean to you and how are you most fulfilled so i i believe that purpose is found not within ourselves uh but within others and the others that we surround ourselves with and i think my purpose or my individual purpose is to empower others actually my individual purpose is to encourage and empower all uh you know uh empower and encourage all individuals to spread their unique gifts to the world it's not for nothing that freedom culture is the mission statement of Valhalla. Um, it, it's something that resonates, I think, with every individual in the world because we all can be selfish in some ways and we live within our own ego and our own, our own bodies, so obviously we will be to some degree. But to be honest, though, we always are doing it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And every, if everyone is doing it for somebody else, that's this common purpose that we all have. We all are doing it for our kids, our families, our future families. Uh, we're, we're doing it for, for the world at large. We're doing it for whatever it is. It's always to affect other people. And, and it's always in service to the world. So I feel like to me what purpose means, uh, you know, an interchangeable word for purpose is, is to me service. How can I service people better? How can I empower them to feel the exact same things and live their dreams? 
in the same way that I am now doing so. And it's not to say that I've figured it all out. It's not to say that I know all the answers. It's not to say that we're the only ones who are doing anything awesome. Not at all. I'm, I, I think there are so many smarter, better organizations and people out there. Uh, but we're trying our best. And because of that, I also think we're also amongst those people. Mm-hmm. And we're getting more and more amongst those people. And I'm finding uh, more and more success in everything that I do personally because of that. It's just because, you know, to be rich, we have to enrich. Right? So if you want to make a lot of money, even if your goal is to make millions upon millions of dollars right now, that's great. To be rich, you have to enrich. What are you going to do for others to enrich other people's lives, both financially or, or you know, in any other way that you want to measure that wealth, so that they will also return that favor to you? Mm-hmm. And that's to me, is the power of creating something out of nothing. That, to me, is the exact same power in the same way that the banks have the opportunity to print money. It's the exact same thing. We all have that opportunity, and that's why I actually feel more hopeful and feel better about this whole scenario now. So for those people listening in, uh, some of them might know exactly what they need to do at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, others might have no idea, which is totally where, you know, I've been there. We've all been there. Absolutely. What do you have advice-wise for anyone who might feel stuck? Because I know for me it was that I was asking the wrong questions. Instead of just going and saying, like, what is my purpose? I had to start saying, you know, what can I really do for other people? Uh, I yes. was really asking the wrong questions. So what advice do you have for anyone who's stuck? Absolutely. I mean, look, the, the simple and I have a lot of advice for, for people, but I always say the number one thing that people can do is start doing something. Don't get stuck in the paradox of choice. Do not get paralyzed by the opportunity cost of all the other things you could be doing. Do something because you will have the chance of doing a whole lot of stuff. And so I designed an eight step process. It's 100% free. I'm not trying to sell anything on anybody. It's an eight step process. Uh, superheroacademy.net slash challenge and if you go to that there's an, a, literally an eight step video process where you fill out questionnaire and you'll get the answers at the end and it basically forces you to ask yourself the tough questions so if you can't ask them yourself go there and ask them for for yourself and and it, through that you're going to make things like an, what I call an impossible list um, so it's like a list of things that you really want to achieve and do um, there's so much there, there it, it literally took me five years to do something like this Okay, but when I did it, I made a five-year plan and I accomplished and smashed every single goal on that plan because I had written it down. You are 42% more likely to achieve your dreams or your goals if you write them down. 42% more likely. Okay, that's huge. But most people, even if I give you a pen and paper right now, will not be able to write it down. Even the people who are the leaders of major corporations, when I ask them the question, so why do you do what you do? Man, I have been amazed at how stumped some people get they have no idea and and then they kind of start to figure it out and as that question i see the light bulbs going off and the synapses kind of firing in their brain where they're starting to kind of piece this together and i've asked that question to people and changed their entire career in one question and it's only because they just realized that they were living outside of an alignment that they wanted themselves to live in and it's like it, it's not about sustainability. It's not about making money. It's not about any of those things. It's about doing what you truly want to do. And living that higher purpose um, is the most fulfilling thing you can ever do. I'm sure you are experiencing this. But everyone at home can experience it too. Uh, you do have to ask yourself the right questions though. And you definitely should write it down. So um, 
I offer you guys to go and check out the challenge. Yeah, so definitely everyone go ahead and check out the challenge. What we'll do is we'll put that website link on our website. So awesome. uh, for everyone listening and watching, because we, we put this out on YouTube, we put this out on iTunes, uh, and it goes to a couple other places. Uh, if you go to www.yearofpurpose.com, uh, head on over to the blog. We actually post every podcast in there with a transcription, and uh, we take some show notes and put some links up. So all the little things that we talked about today, there will be links on that website for you guys to check out. Mark, it's been awesome having you today. What are just some ways people can kind of like keep track of you, get in touch with you, and keep track of you know Valhalla and Superhero Academy? If you write to us on Superhero Academy or Valhalla, info at ValhallaMovement.com or whatever, uh, Facebook, all that stuff, I answer every single email I get. It's overwhelming. It's insane. Um, but I do take the time to try and find, uh, you know, a space in my schedule, even if, you know, sometimes it takes me two weeks, but I will answer every single question that you guys send my way. So if you want to connect with me on Facebook or through our websites, uh, you'll find a way. If you really want to find me, you'll definitely find a way to get my attention. Good deal. Well, hey, Mark, thanks for taking some time out of your day. Uh, I'm super excited to see what you guys have coming up next, both with Valhalla and with Superhero Academy. And Thank you. Uh, I hope you have an awesome rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And guys, don't forget to subscribe. Go and help him out. This is, this is amazing. He's, he's doing such a good job with all of this. And the number one thing that you guys can do is click that subscribe button, rate this podcast, because I know uh, how powerful that can be for you. Thanks so much, man. We'll catch you soon. You've probably heard me talk about designing a life that you actually want to live. You might have even heard about my travels or experiences and thought to yourself, yeah, I do want to do that. Eventually, someday I'll probably do it. And my guess is that you've been thinking about doing it for a long time. So I want to tell you this. Stop thinking. Your time is right now. You don't need any more time. You don't need any more info. You don't need to keep putting it off and planning for the perfect time because the truth of the matter is this. You could be the person who sits around and thinks about living a better life, or you can be the person that decides that today is the day that you're going to actually do it and I want that for you. Because you already have what it takes. You've got a fire inside. Even if you can't see it right now, it's lit, but you need to open yourself up to the possibilities and throw a couple logs into the flames. So join me and the Euro Purpose tribe by subscribing to our YouTube channel and iTunes podcast. And if you really like us, please leave a review. This is Effin Moses Blacksburg, and I can't wait to see you again on the Year of Purpose podcast.